Hello, Hanyaks! Welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast, bringing you your Wednesday dose of weird. Hope your week has been PDFG. That's pretty darn freaking good. I know mine has. Uh, The weather is taking an interesting shift of still being wintry, but seeing glimpses of spring. So that's exciting. Our tenure in Denver is coming close to an end, though. We've only got... Like two weeks, almost to the day, I think, as of tomorrow, will be two weeks. Is all we got left? I know, it's crazy. We'll be back in Central Time Zone, which I will say I have liked Mountain Time Zone. Sports are slightly earlier, but not so early that it's inconvenient. So instead of being at 7, 8 o'clock, they're at 6, 6.30, sometimes. But it's not like Pacific Time, where it's at like 3.00. 2 or 3 in the middle of the afternoon type stuff, or 8 a.m. for NFL football type stuff. So, that's been nice. I like it. My brother has lived in Mountain Time Zone for a few years now, and we were talking about that the other day, and he was like, yeah, he's really come to enjoy it. Everything's just early, especially because his schedule is so front-heavy. He gets up wicked early, goes to bed wicked early. So, that's just the nature of his job. But, it's been good. I've enjoyed Denver. I am ready to be back home in Oklahoma, but that will be soon enough, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of podcasts about that. So there's lots of sports going on right now, you know, sports happenings and goings and different things, and the NFL is getting mixed and mashed up with trades. Not 20 minutes before this episode recording, Tyreek Hill got traded to Miami. That's wild. And I see it as a classic case of apparently... Contract extension talks stalled with the Chiefs, and I'm sure the Chiefs were like, look, man, we've, we're shelling out a lot of money to a lot of different places, and we love you, want to keep you, but we can't give you, you know, we can't max you out on your money. We can give you a lot, but we can't max you out. And Tyreek Hill obviously is worth as, really as much money as you can pay him. And so I think they couldn't come to an agreement, and classic case of, you know, I need to get paid all my money. And so I'm going to, and they're like, all right, well, you can seek a trade. And of course, the first two prospects were the Jets and Dolphins were the top two. He ends up going to Miami. And I don't know, this has always been an interesting conundrum for me as a fan, because I'm not in it. And I will never be in a situation where I'm sitting there negotiating millions of dollars, you know, playing the sport of football, putting my body on the line, night in, night out. And so... On one hand, I look at it and say, and I think this is what a lot of people say, is, yeah, go get paid. Go get paid. But on the other hand, my competitor says, and this is this is how more my personality too, as a, I'd rather be a role player on a championship team than the star player on a garbage team. Sure, it's fun to be a star, but really all that's doing is stroking your ego. And now maybe you could build a, a winning culture and start something, and there's something there, Right. But in general, I think what you see a lot of times in professional sports is they got to go get paid. And the teams that can afford to pay you bukus of money are usually kind of trash because they're spending all your, their money on you. And, but maybe having you, people will be able to come on. They can build a cast around a you know, classic situation. But especially in football and in basketball, it's a little different because you can go like obviously there's a LeBron effect or you know one, one significant guy can really 
be the missing cog or the driving force. I mean, I think look at what Chris Paul's done in the last being on the Thunder, now being on the Suns. I mean, he kind of is that able to be that veteran leader who's become extremely clutch in uh, the last part of his career and has been incredible to watch, right? And can really mentor the young guys and lead a young team and turn them, you know, take them to the finals. Well, but in football, you know, it's so much more team sport. So for me, the question has always been, and you might you might be like, no, absolutely, go get paid because careers are short. You don't know how long you're going to have. And that is true. However, in this context, though, I'm talking about arguably, you know, top three best receivers in the league. You are the top tippy top at your position. And that's different than being maybe more middle of the pack or maybe upper mediocre and so you might, it's not, whereas if you were just more of a role player, it's, you need to maximize your money because you may be here, you don't know if you're going to be here in three seasons, you know, but Tyreek within all reason is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be here for however many years, you know, depending on your age. And so I look at it and my, my first reaction is, okay, cool. Good for him. But did he just give up like hopes of a championship? which I know the Chiefs have won one already, so he's got his ring, so there's that, right? Maybe you're like, oh, I've got my championship, now it's time to go get paid. And I could, I could follow that reason. But at the same time, knowing that these are the most competitive people, at least in their respective sport, but on the planet, because that you have to have a, you have to have be a different level of competitive to, to make it to there, because, and, and a different drive that 99% of us don't have or care to have because being hyper competitive, as we know from all the crazy stories of Michael Jordan actually turns you into a bit of an a-hole. And, but it's, it's to me, I look at that and I'm like, it kind of comes with the territory. So I just beg the question, like, yes, you maxed out your money, but was it, was it with the chiefs? Was it like, look, we can pay you X amount, which is top, still a top tier salary for your position, but we can't pay you all the money. Especially them because they paid that to Patrick a couple seasons ago and homeboy has a 10-year contract. So, <laughs> and, and for me, I look at that and honestly, and once again, this is outside looking in, so I'm just a couch fan who's, you know, be, I'm able to talk the big game and talk about it from this perspective, but I can never understand it. At the same time, I can understand that when you're making $10 million versus $15 million or 10 million. Now 10 versus 50, that's a lot, right? But like, where's the rub for, okay, I'm still in the millions of dollars here, the tens of millions of dollars. I'm more money than, than I would ever need. And more money than most people will ever see in their life, in them, their kids and their grandkids lives combined. So I don't know. I, I look at it as I would, and this, I say this, right? If I was in that, in a position where it's like, okay, they can't pay me, you know, say what I think I'm worth, but we are a, I'm on a contender team and especially in football, but I'm on a contender team and I am, and, and they are willing to pay me. And maybe, maybe what that is, is they guarantee me and they give me, you know, like a five year deal. And it's like, but I, but my yearly salary is a little bit less, but I have X amount, you know, say I get a hundred million over five years or something like that. And 75 million of that is guaranteed. And that's a pretty solid deal. And it's over five years. And, and, and I, and I can coordinate the contract to be insulated against, you know, say injuries or whatnot, and still, still manage to get paid. And, um, you know, 
not and it's all guaranteed so for me you could coordinate that a contract where it's still you're making good money but um i would just rather be on a contender honestly honestly especially if i'm someone who's you know i'm going to be your receiver one but i i can understand the other side of it but for me when it when the when the name of the game is playing the sport winning a championship i obviously want to be the best at my position and be in the best position place for me as well because there are trash organizations i think you know the browns and the jets and i in recent years i've really lumped in miami with them but i don't know and maybe miami's making some moves and they're going to be more of a contender but at the same time i don't think i don't see them as a team that were almost a threat and they and this put them over the edge right i think i think if like a russell wilson had gone to dallas that would have been Okay, they've kind of got the pieces, and you just got next level Russell Wilson. Like that puts that would put the Cowboys over the edge. I know Cowboys example, but their roster is really good, and I think that's probably their biggest fault is quarterback outside of Jerry Jones and all his nonsense. But all in all, I I say I'm you know good for Tyreek Hill. Obviously for Chiefs fans this hurts, but I think they'll be okay because it's it's more about the system. And yeah, he was a game changer that you do some backyard football nonsense with, but I think they'll still survive. For me, I would I have always erred more towards the, you know, the we call it the Sunday school answer, like the the answer that everyone wants to hear. You know, I'm I'm a team player and I want I want what's best for the team. So I'll take a little less money to be best for the team. But in all honesty though, I I my competitor in me says I would rather be competing for a championship, deep runs in the playoffs every year, making let's some less money than than go and make bukus of money and be on a trash garbage team because I've played on more more teams more losing teams than winning teams in my life. It is something that I have always deeply pondered. Like, why am I stricken with being on crappy teams? I've been on a few good teams, but by and large, crappy teams, and we're okay, mediocre at best. And I, I've only seen flashes of like true greatness on great teams. And it's one of those things where it's, I eventually start to say, you know, maybe it's me, unfortunately. But I've been, and being on more losing teams than winning teams, I think, I think you can take the winning for granted and go for the personal gain. And for me, I would just, I would, it's way better to be on a winning team. Because at the end of the day, that's what I care about. And so, yeah, yeah I've got one ring, cool, and some accolades. And now I'm getting paid bukus of money, so maybe that's the prime deal. But I don't know. I've never really been... That's been secondary for me. How about this? How about three rings? I made slightly less money, but I am enshrined. You know, I've got one Super Bowl MVP. Or I went and played for the Dolphins, made bukus of money, did my thing. And I don't know. For me, it just comes back to the individualistic perspective versus the team perspective. And there's so many things that go into these negotiations, particularly on a football team though. And on, there's so many people involved in the contract negotiations. Maybe the culture between you and the GM, you feel like you're being slighted or undersold or something like that. And so there's so many factors to go in. So I'm not going to sit here and chastise Tyreek. He made his decision. Good for him. But I will say this, the chiefs still be uh, gunning for a Super Bowl. Miami, you're better. Super Bowl, though? Mm. Deep playoff run? Mm. So, but that's that's what we're seeing. And, you know, obviously Matt Ryan went to the Colts. And I think 
Sadly, I think Carson Wentz, his career has taken a different trajectory than it could have. I see him as somebody who really could have shined and blossomed into something, but there are certain aspects of his mentality and his play that I think have gotten him in trouble and put him in an injury-riddled position. So I'm not going to sit here and rant about Carson Wentz being a fan of him and whatnot, but the Colts moved on. And rightly so, it's hard not to move on from somebody who rolls both ankles at the same time in like the third game of the season. I mean, I've never in my life seen a double ankle sprain, and he managed it. And for me, if I sprain both my ankles simultaneously, I'm going to say, okay, maybe I need to like, maybe I need to, to try and hone myself in a little bit to keep from doing this again, because that is just a feat that nobody wants to be have accomplished. <laughs> but they got Matt Ryan, and I think the Colts are forced to be reckoned with. That was kind of the piece. They got Matty Ice. Yeah, he's older, but that will help him because I think the Colts are younger. And I think Matt Ryan's got the right time mentality, especially these quarterbacks as they get older, they realize winning is paramount. So in the name of old quarterbacks, though, uh, I just want to say this, too. I was right. I know by now is probably old news. Tom Brady unretires. Though, big surprise here, except not, because I absolutely and totally called it. I remember when this got leaked, and then there were people who were like, well, Adam Schefter, blah, 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 maybe not. and then But then Tom even confirmed it. And it was, we were, what, not even a month? This, was, this would have been in February or beginning of March-ish. So, I mean, we were weeks after the Super Bowl. And of course, there's that moment of, I think after the Super Bowl, after a long season, you're just like, oh, I need a break, right? But then, after a break, you start to get that itch. It comes back. You've been doing this for 20, what, 22 years. You can't just, it's the Brett Favre effect, right? Oh, I'm done, I'm done with football. Look, I'm, I'm need to focus on my family. Two months later, I'm coming back. And it's going to be great. And he gets traded to the Vikings, the rival, and then but then makes a run with them, and, and he ends up at the Jets too at one point. And I think he 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 is a case of career drawn out too far. He, I mean, he retired and unretired like what four times. So he needed to take a chill pill. I can excuse once, especially for Tom, given his circumstances. However, I think the rule of thumb should be: I am not going to speak either way on it at least until May. Because then I've had a couple months off. We're looking at starting, and I'm looking at getting into my off-season groove come summer, post-draft, all that good stuff. Now your team might be like, hey, are you retiring? We need to know your inclination prior to the draft so they can make a plan. So let's back that up. End of March. That gives you a good amount of time. And I think if you are indecisive, you could tell them, look, I'm contemplating it, but I still got a fire, and I think I could do one more season. But... If you guys want to make a move on a quarterback, develop him under me for a year, and then and then I, I can ride off into the sunset. Now you might say, look, I can't guarantee that after this year, I will want to retire, but I will not hold it against you if you make that move, and we can we can talk about that come next offseason. Because that's the thing, you got to make long-term plans, especially at quarterback, so I understand it. But all I'm going to say is I freaking called it. Tom Brady was supposed to retire, and everyone's, oh, Tom, 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 Tom. And then I... I can go back and find the episode, find the clip. I distinctly remember going, I'm I'm not going to buy it. C- 
come back in a month or two. Well, I thought it might even take longer than this, right? I, I think I said May or June. But I was like, I would not be surprised at all if he steps away, you know, seemingly, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden he gets the itch and he's like, actually, I'm coming back. Which, and that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, how could you not, though? He's a freaking, like, 44. Dude is, won a Super Bowl two years ago. Like, still making moves. You're defying all the odds. You are arguably the GOAT. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't want to quit either. I mean, let's get to 45. Let's see if we can get to 50. But, you know, probably not. Because that's not, I don't think that's smart for anybody. But who knows? You know, you're defying the odds, and so... You know, just one season at a time, take a season at a time. But Tom Brady unretires. Surprise, surprise. All right, now time to switch to basketball. Heard about this, too. Let's see if I can find the link and put it in the description. But So if you've been following basketball at all and New York and their vaccine craziness, Kyrie Irving, which is funny, my, I tried to write Kyrie in my phone, and it corrected to Kylie Irving. So I read this. I was like, who's Kylie? Oh, oh my phone. Thanks, autocorrect. Jeez. But... Kyrie Irving has made, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and be like, look, that dude is not not crazy because he's got his quirks. He's a little bit out there. But there are things that I can't agree with. And he talked about being forced to put something in his body. And, you know, there's been the mystery and he hasn't been able to play. Here's the hilarious thing. He hasn't been able to play at home games, so he hasn't been on the team because he can't practice because... In New York City. But yet, for visiting teams, they have unvaccinated players that come in and can play. But he has not been able to play. And so in light of that, recently, at a New York Nets home... Or Brooklyn, sorry. Brooklyn Nets home game. He made the super-based, high-level, show-you-how-silly-you-are move. by Because he's unvaccinated, so he cannot play. So he bought a ticket and sat courtside or, or or wherever he sat. I don't remember where exactly, but obviously he's a celebrity. So he bought a ticket to his own game that he was not allowed to play in, but he was able to attend and watch and sit near the court. Hmm. Ridiculous much? I'd say so, right? Okay, so we can't, per New York rules and the NBA navigating that, we can't, we can't have him... We can't have players play unvaccinated. That's just, that would be insane. But, you know, we can't stop the fans from coming. So we're willing to, we're willing to make some exceptions that, oh, but you play on the team and now, yeah, awkward moment for the Nets in New York. Y'all look real stupid. But I thought it was hilarious when I saw that. I was like, what a legend. Next level move. Be like, oh, I can't play. Well, let me just snag a ticket and show up and show you. How silly this all is that we're still doing this, this dance. So good on Kyrie. I disagree with him vehemently about the flat earth nonsense. He's a little bit kooky sometimes, but on this stance, I think he, I'm proud of him for standing his ground. Um, unlike this, unlike so many people who have not, you know, and I think we live in times where it's important and it may seem minuscule, like you're really going to risk your job or your livelihood over this. And it's like, yes, because there are certain principles that may be able to be downplayed as insignificant that we should stand for and stand on because what they lead to is really atrocious, bad things. 
But I think that's good enough for sports. That is our sports update. We can shift to some more other fun stuff. First of all, I want to shout out my boy uh, Blaine. He apparently is trying to join the Long Hair Gang, and he messaged me and was like, hey, we were talking about something, and he's like, hey, you should do a uh, podcast on the Long Hair Life, on you know what it takes to get there, what it's like being there, yada, yada. You know, almost like a how-to or an encouragement for anyone who's thinking about trying to get into the Long Hair Game. And so, yeah, that's something to look forward to. That's just a little sneak peek preview, and also an encouragement to anyone else who maybe has ideas of things that they want to hear me talk about or hear my take on, send them in. Or you want to come on and debate me about, let me know. Just a simple DM will get it. So let's get into some fun stories. This is going to be backtracking to the cruise. I know I did my full cruise breakdown last episode um, about the previous week, my first ever cruise, 13 out of 17. It was great. There were some other fun stories. So Sunday, my parents, myself and my sister, because my wife and her parents were, were they were doing a two for one. They were seeing their net, their grandson slash nephew, um, cause my wife's not a grandma ace on their way down to Houston to port to Galveston actually. So, and we went down to see family in Houston Saturday. And so Sunday we had, we had all the time to venture around and Galveston's a pretty cool little place. We just drove all over and we, we got to tour the Moody mansion who the Moody's are kind of the family. They are the Galveston family. The Moody's first of all, are just impressive in general, but it's, it's kind of cool. They have an awesome mansion there. You can see they, in a lot of ways, I think should get credit for building being, you know, the founding family of Galveston. They didn't found the place, but they definitely played significant roles in the life of Galveston. So, and I mentioned this last night in, in, uh, I was with some friends and I was talking about, I was like, I was like, really, you want a good time? You got to meet my dad. And they're like, oh, has he been on the podcast? No, he's not been on the podcast in person. He himself has not been on the podcast, but he has been on the podcast plenty through me telling stories or things that come from him because he is a gold mine, a treasure trove of just hilarity. And, and it's so great. And he's very good about, and he's such, and he's a great sport about it. So in a lot of ways, I mean, I, that's, that's who I take after. And that's what I aspire to, to be the kind of person is to be a bit great sport about, you know, the things you do and, and just be unashamed, unashamed of being yourself and all your goofy quirks. And I love it. It's a great time. So as we're driving around on, in one of the intersect, we're on this boulevard, so it's got a median. And then one of the, a four way intersection in Galveston, if you've never been, there's a giant statue, like in the middle, like a 35, 40 foot statue. And, and you're like, okay, so it's kind of, it makes the intersection a little bit weird to navigate, but since it's a boulevard and there's a median, it, it's in line with that, but it's still in the middle of an intersection. We're driving by and we're like, wow. And my dad being my dad, not wanting to say what a statue, what a monument, what a piece of architecture work, whatever. That's kind of strange. He goes, wow, would you, would you check out that proboscis? It's quite the proboscis. <laughs> and I'm driving and we're all sitting there and me, my mom, and my sister just kind of look at it and we're like, what? And then I, I, I chime in and say, Hey, I was like, dad, I was like, you got to stop making up words. What do you, are you, you're just, I was like that, that, that was like, that has to be made up. Why, why are you making up words? Just use, just use the regular words. And so 
we kind of start laughing about that. And he goes, no, it's a real word. Proboscis. And it describes that. Look it up. Look, you know, Google it. Google it. He starts saying it. So I'm driving, so I can't. But we, we look it up. And sure enough, Dwight, you did it again. You, 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 just, you just found a way to shine. And proboscis is a real word. Now, I wouldn't, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a choice word to describe like a tall monument statue thing, but it works. So once again, this is, uh, this is the meshing of everyday common person vernacular, or you could just say vernacular because it's, I think the definition of that is language of the common people. And vet talk, veterinarian talk. So he, he brought in some vet vocabulary to the, the everyday life. This is life with a veterinarian, okay? You get some of this sometimes. It's like proboscis. And he, of course, is like, you never heard proboscis? You know proboscis. He looks at me. He's like, come on, you, you should at least know. And he's like, I was like, no. I have no idea what this weird, and I was still holding to it, made-up word is. Why would I know where your made-up word is? Well, when you look into it, a proboscis is, here's the, a long, flexible snout or trunk, as of an elephant. A slender tubular organ in the head of an invertebrate, such as certain insects and worms, usually used for sucking or piercing. Ticks, mosquitoes, different things like that. So a mosquito snout, that is a proboscis. An elephant trunk is a proboscis. Now, my favorite definition, though, option three, which I think I might be able to claim proboscis on because don't don't get your don't let your minds fall into the gutter here. This is a clean show, family friendly. Number three is a human nose, especially a prominent one. So (laughs) a couple things. I appreciate so much the person who is doing definitions of words and is like, you know, be be like, "Eh, yeah, what the heck? Big noses. Yeah, we'll just just toss that one in there. I think if your nose is big enough, at what point is a nose a proboscis though? My wife has a family um, trait. It's called the Newton nose. So a lot of them have this large nose and I would argue to say it counts as a proboscis but I have a fairly prominent nose it doesn't stick out so much but it is large and goes down I can touch my tongue to it so I would beg the question and I might post a picture of my nose with this episode and you guys can tell me but do I do I meet proboscis qualifications or am I is my is my snout just just that just a regular nose am I under and what is the line but now you know. You you see someone walk by, giant nose, you say, wow, look at that. Now that's a proboscis, right? <laughs> okay. I just love the fact, though, that they're the tongue-in-cheekness of, like, a human nose, especially a prominent one. So I guess, according to that, all noses could be art, could be proboscis. But I like the especially a prominent one, and I put a lot of weight in that part of it and say that a proboscis means a large nose. And now, I, we shouldn't be sensitive about this because guess what, folks? Okay, now, there is a little asterisk here next to this statement, but you're, you know, you were given a nose and it's your nose and there's no real changing that. So, might as well accept it and learn to love it, right? Now, obviously, the exception, the asterisk next to that was, asterisk, um, was, there is plastic surgery. There are nose jobs and people can get those to, you know, get a, get a nose and they more, they prefer. 
and that's fine. But I'm saying in general, though, most of us, we've we've got the we've got the sniffer that we were given uh, from God, and that's that, right? So we got to make do with it. So if you've got a proboscis, own that proboscis. You know, look, me and my wife. It's funny sometimes we we, we can never go straight on to kiss because our noses kiss first. It's a it's a proboscis kiss. Uh, probos kiss is what we have. And sometimes, and you know, that's, you know, coming. It's not like the, Oh, Eskimo kisses. And you purposely do it. Like I'm trying to give her a regular kiss, just, you know, a little peck on the mouth and boom. Oh, nose bumped. <laughs> gotta, gotta come in slightly tilted. And we gotta be opposed. Can't tilt the same way either. It's a bad thing. So I think I would, I would venture to say I've got a proboscis. i my nose fits proboscis categorization but i do want to ask that question is where you know what at what point is is a nose considered proboscis i get technically all of them are but especially a prominent one so i would say prominent noses you know is it what what would it be what would your criteria be but also uh do you think that dwight used proboscis and it could and it could count to that tall prominent statue that you could call a nose for the ground i'm gonna give it to him because i was just impressed a it wasn't a made-up word b it actually had some relevance and then c technically noses fall into that category and is a lot of fun so there you go there's your there's your word of the day no no, no i'm sorry word of the week is proboscis courtesy of dwight the veterinarian at large and don't ask me what that means i think it just sounds cool he's not a criminal uh, he's just hilarious, <laughs> but the proboscis. So feel free to add that one to your everyday vocabulary. Let me know. And I'll put a picture. I'll do, I'll do a front and then maybe a side. And you can tell me, does my nose fall into proboscis t- territory? Cause honestly, I would kind of prefer it. Cause then I feel more freedom to make jokes. So I just want to say, you know, don't be, don't be too sensitive. If you have a proboscis own that proboscis, be like, yeah, I'm proboscis status over here. You're just, you're just big nose. You know, kind of like Gabriel Iglesias has the, the levels of, of, of fatness and he's fluffy. Um, and and so I think there's levels of noses, right? I think we could go, and I don't know what they are. Maybe we should come up with that. Send me your, your levels of nose size, right? Proboscis, I think, takes the cake. Um, or it, it, it's if, if not top, it's second to top. I would say, then you just have big, big nose, um... And I don't know. I can't think on my feet right now on anything. But proboscis. Have you heard me say that word enough? But a big thank you to Dwight. Before we hop off the Dwight train, though, there were another couple great moments that were just innocent and hilarious. Right? This is life with my dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So he, we have, while driving around, I don't remember if it was before or after the proboscis, proboscis incident where did I write that down there were two there were two things right oh there we go okay cool I already talked about that there were two other stories that come so we were also driving around and you know we're, we're looking oh look at this place look at that thing we're reading signs and we're sit- I'm sitting there driving and I'm like okay it's coming up to a point where it's like okay do I go left go straight trying to because we're coming to the end of the island and all of a sudden, he, you know, he's kind of reading, oh, there's this business and that thing. And all of a sudden I hear, Italian pizzeria. <laughs> and, uh, and we all just die laughing. 
<laughs> and I'm like, you mean Italian pizzeria? He stopped short a little bit, and it made for a hilarious thing. I was like, I don't know. I, I know what an Italian pizzeria is. I don't know what an Italian pizzeria is. And But I I don't think I want to find out. <laughs> is that where you sit on a pizza? I've sat on pizza before. I, I was sitting in a chair. I remember this. And, and I get up to go, and I come back to sit down. And I sit down, and oh, grease giant. Now I got a giant grease stain on my shorts. Fortunately, I was at in the comfort of my home. But, yeah. So maybe that's what an Italian pizza rear is when you sit on or in some pizza, uh, you are now dubbed Italian pizza rear, but I don't want to go to a restaurant that's Italian pizza rear, but now we have a great story of the Italian pizza rear on Galveston. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> if you're not feeling the pizzeria scene, you can always go to the Italian pizza rear or the New York pizza rear. I mean, Come on. How many different kinds of pizza? What's the difference between a New York and an Italian pizzeria? Let's 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 get this in and out. So, all right, last Dwightism of the day. This one honestly, you thought Proboscis was good. Italian pizzeria is a fun little aside. This one though has to take the cake. This is this has to sum up the legend of Dwight. Really, this is the, I mean, in, in so many ways. This this is, you want quintessential, like, what is it like to hang out with my dad? Well, here, honestly, here's, you get unexpected gems like this. I call them Dwightisms. Like this. Which, Dad, if you ever listen to this podcast, I gotta get you on. I, I think that's a goal. I, we, I talk about them enough, we gotta get them on and just chit-chat. Am I right? Am I right? Alright, we'll do that when I get back to Oklahoma. We'll get Dwight on the podcast. You guys have requested it. I can hear you yelling right now uh, through space and time because you're listening to it in the future and, and it's coming through my speakers here. I'm, I'm getting that sense. So we'll get him on the pod. But once again, here's your little porthole preview, to use cruise terms, to my dad. So he, he, he had a cough, not COVID, none of that. And kind of when we were down there and on the cruise and whatnot. So he, you know, of course, is stocked on cough drops he's locked and loaded wherever we go he's got them well i think i think we've all experienced this with cough drops where you know where they kind of get where they're in a hot car in your hot pocket too long and they the paper gets they get kind of sticky kind of like a jolly rancher you know it's that kind of thing and and so the paper kind of sticks to it right and sometimes if it gets bad enough then you, you got chunks of paper and if you're like me, you just opt to say, well, I'll eat that, literally. You know, <laughs> I'll eat the cost of literally eating that paper. You know, tiny little smidge versus like, oh, half the wrapper's stuck to it. I need to try and peel that off, right? I've got no shame, so I just will, I'll take a little bit of paper. Don't think anything of it. Well, he's he makes some comment about how it's kind of sticky or whatnot. And so we kind of start joking around a little bit. You know, he's eating paper and... Then his genius shines once again. If proboscis wasn't enough, an Italian pizzeria, just don't do it for you. I'm sure this will get us home, right? He states that actually all he's doing by eating this paper, this is somewhat intentional. And this is, as some could say, a blessing seemingly born from tragedy of, oh no, all, some of the paper is stuck to the cough drop. When I when I take it out of the wrapper and, I'm, and it's and it makes it hard to open and get the cough drop out, he simply says, "Well, no, eating if you just eat a little bit of paper on the cough drop, that's just preemptive toilet paper, so you don't have to wipe as much when it comes out the other end." 
Yup, that's right, folks. You heard it here first. Take that with you. So maybe next time, instead of trying to sit there and finagle and try and get every last shred of paper, just think of it. Nah, it's just, this is just preemptive toilet paper. Proactive toilet, I don't know what you want to call it, right? This is just thinking and planning ahead. Oh, you know, it's got, that's just, that's just going to help coming out the other end. Keep, keep a clean exit. Keep it as a clean (laughs) exit. And he said this with a straight face. I mean, a bit of a smile, but I mean, wasn't, didn't, and was just with absolute confidence. No, it just helps when it comes back out. So you don't have to wipe (laughs) or you don't have to wipe as much, I should say. Oh my gosh. It just helps with (laughs) never in a million years. Well, I can't say that. I'm sure I am my father's son in in so many ways that I can't sit here and say that I would have never thought of that, but I definitely in, at least in that moment would have never thought of that. And I would, I would go as so far to say that most of us in a million years would never see the opportunity that is eating a cough drop or something or Jolly Rancher, what have you, with a little bit of the wrapper paper still on it as a potential good, a net good, that we're doing ourselves a service for later. Delayed gratification, if you will, which has been a recent theme in the last chapters of Jordan Peterson's book that I've been in. Oh, man. So... There you have it. Next time your cough drops are a little bit sticky to the wrapper and maybe there's a little, and I'm talking like, I'm not talking half the wrapper here. We're not crazy. And that's not what he was doing either. It was just a little smidge, right? Like a little tiny blip of paper or a little strip maybe. Just, just say, ah, nah, that's just a little bit of, that's just a little bit of early bird toilet paper as we like to call it in the Olsen household. Some early bird toilet paper. That's all that is. Sure, scientifically it probably doesn't check out or make any sense at all. But conversationally, I love it. And philosophically, I love it. And if you want to get a little bit deep on it, that is taking a bad and turning it into a good, at least from a, from a perspective standpoint. He couldn't help that the paper was sticking to the cup because it was hot and humid in Galveston and on the ship. But he could help his perspective on it. Ready? I'm going to, oh yeah, I'm going to take this goofy saying idea that my dad made that was hilarious and I'm going to turn it into a real life lesson here. You ready for this? I'm closing out the show with this one. Don't start your Norwegian goodbye timer. timer. This is not the goodbye. This is the closeout. The closing, okay? Mariano Rivera is coming in to close it out. Yeah. He could not control that the paper was sticking but he could control how he viewed it. And we can look at it as a micro example, a microcosm of how we can approach life. And ready? I would posit that this is part of my, that, that doing it in the smallest innocuous things will build a habit to make it in the big, incredibly hard things, the serious things of life, if you will. It will put us in a position you might say, oh, that's silly. Like this is, you're, you're speaking nonsense now. I'm not following you here, but I'm just, just try and stick with me here because I think we can all agree that if we can manage that this principle plays out, say in money, if you can manage a hundred dollars, well, then it would seem that when you have a thousand dollars, you're going to manage that well because you were able to manage a little bit. Right. And the same is true here. If you can take some silly situation like this, make a funny 
and and make it a lighthearted perspective and and be like, oh, yeah, it's not, not that big of a deal, right? This is, oh, no, it's actually a good thing. And as ridiculous as it may be, you have shifted your perspective. And that is one thing that we always have a control control over, no matter what happens to us in life. And I'm sure it can seem ridiculous sometimes when people say, find the silver lining, find the positives and everything. And But that's clearly been a big, I mean, I'm doing a whole series, Blessings from Tragedy. On this podcast, which I've got some more real, some other ones coming up that I'm really excited about. If you haven't heard 283 with Dennis, Dennis Flowers, Dean Flowers, Dean Jumpin' B Flowers, as I'm gonna, as we can call him now, incredible story. And it was his his life, it would basically his life story. I mean, the things was it was tragedy, 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 tragedy. But there were all these situations we we talked about it you know called god's hidden hand where it's like man this this situation is seemingly horrible but you know what here's some good that come out of it and here's some and it, and it put everyone in position to give dennis the opportunity at life that he has now you know 20 whatever years later two decades over two decades later he now you know is He's grown up and has a life of his own now. That, in a lot of ways, without some of the tragedy that that beset his situation, we'll say, he may not have been in this position. He may not have had a life at all. And I'm not talking about like, oh, he doesn't have a good life. No, no, no. He may not have been alive at all and had the chance at a life. And there are plenty of things, seemingly insurmountable obstacles that were all around I could have done that. No, you just go listen to the episode. It's incredible. Back to the preemptive toilet paper. What did I call it? I already forgot. I said the early bird toilet paper. Right? So this is probably ridiculous, and I'll, I'm willing to admit that it is. But I would still... The challenge remains the same. The idea remains the same. The principle remains the same. This is something that I have tried to practice over the last decade. And, of course, there's times where I'm not good at it. And I've recently come out of a time where I was horrible with it and but I'm, I'm coming back into being better at it is that we cannot control and this is one of those things where it's like yes we all know we can't control our situation just how we feel or just our attitude what and we heard hear it a million times but for some reason it's one of those things that you can never hear enough right you always need to be reminded of it because we all find ourselves in a position where we forget or we're feeling lost about it. We get reminded of it and we might be kind of annoyed. You might be kind of annoyed at me. Like, really? This is what you're telling me, Gus? But there may be someone out there who was sitting there and was like, you know what? I needed that reminder. And sometimes for me, just talking about these things gives me the reminder. So a lot of times, because I'm just as much in need of it as anyone else. But don't overlook the little opportunities to change, to have a positive perspective on a seemingly negative outcome. Even if it's something as silly as this. Because I will say, the things that came out of this, right? It, taking a serious look at this was, you know, he, he was obviously annoyed with this. He was like, oh man, that sucks, right? And he'd be like, this sucks, this is annoying. Instead, he makes a crazy comment that A, makes us all laugh, but also makes him laugh and then kind of makes this a lighthearted situation and makes him able to overlook, ah, what's one little tiny shred of paper, right? I'll be all right. And brush it off. And now you might say, ah, it's a minor annoyance. Yeah, but if there's 
a hundred minor annoyances in your day, that could become, it, it could become a rough day. But if you can take 50 of those and do something similar where you just kind of, you can turn it into a lighthearted, even kooky comment or thought, then guess what? That's now, instead of a hundred, you've got 50 minor annoyances and it could totally change the outlook on your day. Something that always, and I'm sure this is, there's already a book out there and there's already plenty of talks out there, but I'm a firm believer in the power of perspective. Now, that's not to be said that you can totally change your outcome because I still hold, you know, I'm obviously a Christian and I believe that part of this is, you know, part of our perspective is in the hardships being reminded that those serve as a reminder and uh, those negative perspectives, those negative outcomes, those negative situations serve as a reminder that like this world is broken and that the only thing that we can count on is God's goodness and grace that is constant and his love, mercy, all of the above. And so to look to that, to aim at the good and that will, that will put us in a position of, of good in a lot of ways. And will help us get through situations because it's the only thing we can count on. So there you have it though. That is, that is my closing argument on the power of perspective. Don't overlook the little, the littlest of things because I found myself, you get annoyed with one little thing and then something else little goes wrong. And then you're annoyed with that. And then all of a sudden I'm frustrated and I haven't got a crappy attitude and I'm in a bad mood. And it's like, man, if I could have just, if I could have just switched how I looked at these three, these four things, you know, how might my attitude be different now? So I want to challenge you to take something like a little piece of paper on your cough drop and make, you don't have to take it to the extent that, uh, that my dad did, but maybe you say, ah, it's just a little extra fiber, right? Just toughening me up, testing my stomach acids. Seeing the quality. <laughs> if this paper comes back out, I know I got, I got some, I got to strengthen, I got to beef up my stomach juices. <laughs> okay, that's maybe just as crazy. See, I have my father's son. Oh my gosh, but I think that's good enough for today. I had a couple other notes. Surprise, surprise. But that was, I mean, how can you, how can you, I can't top what just all the, the Dwight that we just got to experience. So I think clearly need to get him on the show and you can just experience him for yourself. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Now you can start your Norwegian goodbye timer. I want to thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to know any of all your thoughts around the proboscis debate, the big proboscis debate. And let me know what you think. Do, do I, do I meet proboscis standard? Part of me, I don't know why, but part of me wants to be in the proboscis family. I want to, I want to be able to say, nah, this pro, this nose, this olfactory thing, this is uh this snout, this sniffer, this face mountain is proboscis worthy is proboscis. All right. That's what I, that's what I want. Be able to call my nose proboscis. It's, it, it is kind of elegant sounding in a lot of ways, you know, uh, it's way more elegant than face mountain which I think might be the category that is above proboscis. I think proboscis, okay, it's prominent, right? Face mountain is like, holy shnikes. How do you, do you, how is that not in your vision? Like you, there's a line in the middle of your vision all the time. Like your eyes, kind of like how eyes on some animals are on, are, you know, they can't, they, they don't look straight ahead. They're looking out the right, like a parrot, right? They get, or birds, they got an eye on the right side of the head, an eye on the left side of the head. And so they're seeing, and, and, 
and I always want to see what their perspective looks like because I can't imagine just having basically like I can only I can't see there's a center line and so there's a gap in the middle of my vision but I can see to the right and I can see all the way on, on the right side of me and in front of me and the left side in front of me and how that works with the brain it always does make me wonder but maybe maybe that's something I can look into for for, for another episode so all right let me know though what are the categories of no size? I think we've got Proboscis as the second largest and Face Mountain being the top tier that you really don't want to aspire to, but I think I've been in a good sweet spot of Proboscis. Are you a Proboscis? Uh, should I make a sticker? Proboscis life. I think I should. Um, or Proud proud Proboscis. Mm, no. Proud Proboscis wearer, haver. Holder? Mm, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I think there is a sticker idea there, though. Maybe just it's proud of my proboscis. <laughs> you know, it's like, my student isn't is in an honor roll at this school. <laughs> my nose is a part of the proboscis <laughs> community. Right? The proboscis club. It's like a biker gang. We are the proboscis. Don't mess with us. Don't want to take this headbutt because this nose will leave a real nice dent in your head. So, okay, this Norwegian goodbye has gotten out of hand. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed some of my recent episodes, the Blessings from Tragedy series, which it's taken on a couple different names, so just bear with me, but that's that's the name that I'm sticking with. I've got my sister's story from two weeks ago, last week, episode 283, Dennis, uh, Mean Dean, Jumping Bean, Flowers, Jumping Dean, sorry, Flowers. He, he has an incredible story. I've got several more lined up, so be on the lookout for those in the coming weeks. Let me know if you want to be on the podcast, if you, um, any and all thoughts on anything and everything. DM the show, leave a comment, leave a five-star review. That would help share the show. Let's grow the Hanyak community. Let's grow the Hanyak cord into a force to be reckoned with, eventually sponsoring our own bowl game, having the Hanyak bowl game or the rambling viking bowl game and we all go we take the whole on accord it's a pipe dream that i'm willing to keep talking about because i think it would just be super cool but thank you so much for being a part of the hanya accord or if you're new here welcome to the hanya accord if you want to check out some of the other episodes i've got more than enough almost to 300 folks what should i do for my 300th episode i think we should make it special don't you three is my favorite number i was born at 3 a.m uh my birthday is a multiple of three. It's three times two. It's December 6th. I was born in 1993. I'm the third child. Uh, you ever seen that movie? Was it 23 or 21? You know, and Jim Carrey, and he supposedly saw everything came out to 2023. 20, well, that's like my life, but with the number three. Everything is three. So, yeah, I've been married three years now at this point. So, we got to do something for 300 episodes. Give me your ideas. Let's make it a party. Maybe I do my first live stream. I don't know. We figure it out. And we have people come on and have a bunch of friends over. And it's a bunch of, I don't know, shenanigans, games to be played. We'll figure it out. And that, yeah, it, live stream means video, folks. So let me know anything and everything in the comments. Send a DM, Facebook, Instagram, find the Rambling Viking Podcast. Follow us. Thank you so much for being a part of the Hanyak Horde. If you want to know what a Hanyak is, just keep listening. One of these episodes, I'll remember to recap what a Hanyak is for all the new people here. But that does it for me today. Thank you so much. We'll see you back here on Friday. This is your head, Hanyak, signing off.